0: In the name of Jesus, our Lord, dear friends, everybody loves a good story, right? Little kids love it and they beg their parents for a bedtime story. Some of us still like to hold a book in our hands when we read a story. Others like to download it onto their tablet or, or something else. Husbands and wives swap stories at the end of their day. Friends get together to share stories over a cup of coffee, glass of wine. Well, today, we are treated to three great stories. Great because God's grace is the highlight of all three. Our first story is a short one. It's the story of undeserving sinners and the faithful few. And it's just this. All the tax collectors and sinners were coming to Jesus to hear him, but the Pharisees and the experts in the law were complaining This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Two years before this, Jesus walked right up to a tax collector's booth and spoke two words to one of the men who was viewed as disgusting, a disgusting traitor, a Jew who was working for the Romans, collecting the taxes, overcharging the people, and then keeping the rest. It was to this ancestor of IRS agents, that Jesus said, follow me. So Matthew got up, left his job, and was a follower of Jesus from that very day. And he was so excited about it, he held a party for Jesus. And there were a lot of tax collectors there at that party. And the Pharisees and experts in the law grumbled against his disciples, saying... Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Now, two years later, Jesus is still making time for the tax collectors and the sinners in order to teach them. How could Jesus do this? Tax collectors were so hated among the people, they couldn't serve as witnesses. They couldn't be judges. They were expelled from the synagogues. And the term sinners typically re- referred to tax collectors and adulterers and robbers and other public sinners. The difference between those people and this select few super religious people was enormous. At least that's what the the Pharisees and the experts in the law thought. These faithful few would never do what Jesus was doing. They tried to live according to every one of God's commands. They even came up with a bunch of other commands that they treated as if they came from God. And even though Jesus had pointed out to them where they had sinned and had told them that they weren't quite as faithful to God as they thought they were, they still did not see themselves on the same level as these tax collectors and sinners. Tax tax collectors and sinners did not deserve the attention from Jesus that they were getting. So the same thing that they had complained about early in Jesus' ministry was still an issue here near the end of his life and earthly ministry. Jesus never stopped reaching out with his grace to those undeserving sinners who needed him. And the faithful few who should have listened to Jesus and found his grace never stopped resenting him for it. They condemned Jesus even while he was teaching that there is no condemnation for those who trust in him. That brings us to our second story. To these faithful few, the the faithful in their minds anyway, Jesus told the story that has been called the, the story of the prodigal son or the story of the recklessly wasteful son. But I would suggest that we call it the story of the undeserving son and the faithful son. Jesus made up a story to make a spiritual point. We call those kinds of stories parables. Given the reaction of these religious leaders to Jesus' willingness to teach sinners, uh, they also needed to learn from Jesus. And so he tells them this story. A father was asked by his youngest son if he might receive his share of the inheritance. The father agreed, and so the son took his new wealth and left his father and his brother behind. But he made bad decisions and lived a sinful life, He went broke, he became a servant, and then finally a beggar. So when life bottomed out, he thought about the nice life that the hired men of his father had. In humility, he didn't even think about going back home as his father's son, but he would offer himself as a hired worker to his dad. He knew that what he had done was wrong, and he was sorry for it. And so he went home, intending to beg for the forgiveness that he did not deserve. But let's not forget the other son, the faithful son. He was jealous because he felt that his little brother, after all he had done, was not deserving of his father's forgiveness, much less his love. He was the faithful one. He was the one that deserved the kind of attention that his father was giving to his brother. He deserved a party. He was the good son. He said that he, he never disobeyed his father. And he said that he had slaved away for his father. Not exactly the, the loving heart of service to dad and the family, was it? And do you think his father didn't care for him, didn't give him things? It would be hard to imagine from a father who gave half the inheritance to one son early. Hard to imagine from a, son, from a father who, who took back an irresponsible son. Hard to imagine from a father who took the time to lovingly explain to the hurting older son the way he did. No, this son's words and actions came from a sinful heart. The bright spot in the story, of course, is the father's grace, his willingness to extend forgiveness and love to both of his sons. The third story is the story of undeserving us and the faithful God. If you had been there, Which crowd might you have been part of on the day that Jesus told this story? Can you relate to the sinners who didn't follow God's will? The ones that were shunned by the the religious faithful? Or might you have been one of the supposedly faithful few who felt that they were a little better than others and didn't really understand Jesus' heart of love and compassion for all people? Sin really affects us like both types, doesn't it? Either way, Jesus would have reached out to us with his love the way he reached out to them. He was teaching the sinners. He was trying to teach the religious um, accusers with his story. So Jesus' heart of love reached out to both just as he reaches out to every one of us here today, no matter what we've done whether we have been in jail or just caused our share of trouble or lived in a way that generally angers God or looked at others in disgust because of their sins, not really realizing how bad our own are, or if we have gone through the motions of religious living while harboring a, a cold and loveless heart, we're like the wayward son, the undeserving son, aren't we? God is good to us. He gives us more than we need. He tells us to be good managers of those things. And we mess it up. We live mostly for pleasure. We waste what God has given to us. We've made bad decisions. Sometimes we we have little use for our heavenly Father even though he's the one that's given us everything. And then when we're down and out, then we come crawling back to him. At least I hope we do. Because our loving Heavenly Father stands there waiting to receive us back. He wants to take the lives that we have trashed and our broken hearts and fix them. He wants us to be dearly loved members of his family, just like Jesus wanted the tax collectors and the sinners to be his. Jesus wouldn't make us work our way back into his family like we sometimes want to do. You've felt that, haven't you? You've sinned and you know it and you keep wanting to do things to make up for it. You don't need to make up for your sins. You don't need to make up for your sins any more than that wayward son had to start over as one of his father's hired hands. That kind of love and acceptance sometimes seems a little too good to be true. But the reason for this amazing grace is God's love to us because Jesus paid for our sins by never messing up his life with sin. He never disregarded his Father's goodness to him. He never lived for the world's pleasures. He didn't live for himself. He lived for you and me. And he went all the way to the cross with that love. Instead of thinking of himself, he was thinking of you. And he was thinking of me. He was thinking only of what we needed. And what we needed was a perfect sacrifice for our sin. And that's what he gave. How different the selfless Jesus is from us. We sometimes act out of sinful selfishness like the older son, who represented the Pharisees and the experts in the law, of course. They considered themselves the faithful few. They self-righteously thought that that they had remained at their father's side doing all of the right things and never disobeying and feeling superior to everybody else. The Pharisees felt that Jesus was wrong. He wrong to lavish his love on tax collectors and sinners. He was wrong to pay attention to them. Just like the older son in the story thought his father was unfair to to lavish his his love and his attention on his younger brother. Both felt that they were superior. We know that that sin too. We might sometimes get upset like they did. We might think that our lives ought to go one way or the other, because after all, we're faithful. We go to church and we give our offerings and we even serve God's people. Surely we deserve better treatment for our faithful behavior. Surely Jesus should pay more attention to us. How naturally sins like this come to us. The truth is, we deserve nothing from God. The tax collectors and the sinners, they deserve nothing from Jesus. The Pharisees and the experts in the law, they deserve nothing from Jesus. The two sons in the story deserve nothing from their father. In these stories, we see the story of our lives. When we wander from sin each day or run right to it, we don't deserve to have our heavenly father take us back but he does because he's faithful. When we're far away, our Heavenly Father is looking for us. When we repent and we're returning to God, he comes out to meet us. The past is forgiven. It's gone. doesn't matter how bad the sins were doesn't matter how terrible we feel about it. God's gifts of forgiveness and love are showered upon us. And there is rejoicing. God our Father, Jesus our Savior, the Holy Spirit, the angels in heaven, all rejoice over sinners who repent, those who were dead but now are spiritually alive, those who were lost, but now are found. I'd like to think that some of those tax collectors and sinners repented and turned to Jesus in faith. I'd like to think that even some of those callous Pharisees and and experts in the law repented, listened to Jesus, and, and trusted in him too. I pray that all of us here this morning will also repent of our sins and and look to Jesus for forgiveness, knowing that even though we're undeserving, God is faithful and he will take us back and forgive us. Because of his forgiveness and his love, we know that one day our Heavenly Father will open his arms and he will welcome us into his home in heaven. Amen. Now the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.